Brick Moon Fiction presents Can't Catch Me by Sam French, narrated by Nicholas Thurkettle. The thing they don't tell you about stakeouts is the second you start one, you're going to have to piss. Dudes have it easy. They can go anywhere. Show me one random square foot from anywhere in the world and I'll show you a square foot a dude could piss on or in. It's trickier for me, but I've figured out a really good technique. Don't ask. I won't tell you. Secrets of the trade. Plus, you've got to be really good at yoga. The second thing they don't tell you is that you need pure isolation from the rest of the world. Contact with anything or anyone, and you might miss the one second you've been waiting for. It's the same reason I don't watch soccer. Tired of going to grab a beer and coming back to find I've missed the only goal that's going to be scored the whole damn game. So you grab binoculars, you grab food and drink, you dehydrate yourself as much as possible, you turn your phone on airplane mode, and you wait. Unless you're me. And you were up all night with a screaming four-year-old saying he was absolutely positive Emperor Palpatine lives under his bed. And you already have to piss because you drank nine coffees this morning because of the fact that you were up all night. Oh yeah, and the four-year-old is with you, now, at the stakeout, playing Angry Birds on his iPad, volume turned low, all because your lazy piece of shit babysitter has finals this week. Fucking Jenny. Don't get me wrong, I don't typically take Harrison with me on any of my more questionable assignments. When I hit that bank in Reno, he was with his grandparents. When I had to pose as that Swedish billionaire heiress, he was seeing Toy Story with a snot-nosed friend of his named Annabelle. But things happen. In life. Whether it's a complicated alarm mechanism that wasn't in the initial security schematics, or it's a bitchy 19-year-old telling you last minute she just can't take the kid to the zoo because she's one bad test away from flunking out of NYU. Shit happens. You know what you do? You deal with it. In heists, in motherhood, you just fucking deal with it. So Harrison is blitzing his brain with red exploding birds and I'm keeping my left hand on his mossy hair and my right hand on the binoculars pressed up against the window. It's an important job and Harrison loves screen time more than the zoo anyway. I know I'm not a great mom, but I think being a decent mom is acceptable, all things considered. Being a decent criminal isn't. For that? For heists? For breaking into top secret labs or underground gambling rings? You need to be great. You need to be the best. Gunderson needs the code, too. Gunderson's been asking me to get it for the operation for like three weeks and I've delayed because who has time to get the bushwick? I did the easier stuff first, the close-to-home stuff first. My uniform supplier is on 46th, which is near Harrison's kickball class. Done. Hacking into the camera system was easy because I could do it at SoulCycle and still show all those UES stuck-up moms who's the boss at spin. But I knew I'd eventually need to get to Brooklyn because it needs someone on site. Gunderson wasn't going to do it. He hates the burrows. And the rest of the team is busy. Everyone's got their jobs to do. There are a lot of moving parts, and we hit a point in time when it had to be me, curled up in a window, waiting for some dipshit dude to show up on a city bike or something and punch in a code at a warehouse. It just had to be me, and it just happened to come on a bad day. It only takes about six hours. It turns out he doesn't show up on a city bike, but he shows up on one of those stupid Razor scooters instead. This is why I don't go south of 14th Street. I almost missed the moment because Harrison just puked all over my lap and my iPad. So I've got Trader Joe's brand raspberry Pop-Tart all over my clothes, but the sixth sense in me picks up and I refocus on the street, and there the motherfucker is. I actually say motherfucker out loud and Harrison says I owe him a dollar. I want to shake him and say, kid, if you can shut up for once in your life, I can give you a lot more than one dollar. I can give you my cut, which is around two million but then he'd start crying, and I don't know if the sound of a crying kid is common in this neighborhood, and I don't want to spook the motherfucker. Two dollars to Harrison's college fund. The trick with this keypad is to watch his wrist and his fingers. 
The hand is good for the lateral moves, but you can't trace the up and down with it. For that, you need the hinge. So I focus on his hand going left and right, his wrist up and down. Four, eight, one, nine, oh, six. Six digits, but they really matter. I text them to Gunderson quickly, and he sends me back a bitmoji of him pooping out dollar bills. It's six digits, but what it really is is another piece of a puzzle. Harrison always makes me do these stupid puzzles with him, of the pyramids or of cartoons or something. It's always something that are way too hard for little kids. But he loves them. When you do them, you can't even tell what the picture's going to be if you're just looking at the individual pieces. But when you put them together, there's the Sphinx, or like fucking Elmo or something. The code here is one of the pieces. The uniform, the hacks, the other work everyone else is doing. They're combining to make a pretty picture of their own. But we've still got some more pieces to find. I have to find one of those pieces this weekend. And I have to go down to the Bahamas to do it. So Jenny better not have fucked up her exams today because I need her. I text her as much and make sure Harrison pees one more time before we leave Brooklyn because I am not finding somewhere else to take him off the L train. Harrison is screaming for my help wiping when Jenny texts back, Ooh, sorry, governor's ball this weekend and I've had these ticks for ages. There's no bitmoji for choking out an undergrad skank, so I go on to cheaptickets.com and buy two, sigh, tickets to the Bahamas. I ask Harrison if he wants to go on vacation. Mickey, he screams over and over and over again and doesn't stop until we're back in Manhattan. I can pick a lock with both my hands tied behind my back. I can hold my breath for over four minutes underwater. I can hack into any government agency database. I can bend my body to fit inside a standard hotel room service trash can. I can speak 13 languages. 14 if you count Klingon. I had a heist involving Comic-Con once, don't ask. I can and have done a passable imitation of multiple U.S. Congresswomen. I can tell the difference between a real and very good fake Van Gogh in less time than it takes you to say your first name. I can assemble a handgun behind my back while upside down, but what I cannot do is find a basic sunblock that is both good for the environment and will keep my pasty son's nose from turning the color of a strawberry after two hours in the Bahamas. Customs was easy like it always is, partly because my fake passport is actually a very good one, even if mediocre will do the job, I like to be safe, and partly because I was carrying a sobbing four-year-old. People are sympathetic to single moms, until they're very not, and Harrison actually helps me get away with a lot. Maybe one day I'll write a book about all the times I would have been arrested if people were paying less attention to him and more attention to what I was holding behind my back. Note to self, thank him when he's older and can understand. How old is old enough to tell your kid his mom is a mastermind who's committed crimes in all seven continents, including twice in Antarctica? Thirteen? We're at the beach now because Harrison fucking loves sand and because in exactly twelve minutes, a German couple is going to litter a bunch of trash everywhere because they're tourists and I'm going to go over to pick it up and I'm going to put it in the trash can where it belongs except for one receipt which I'm going to discreetly slip into the back pocket of my denim jeans and then I'm going to enjoy the rest of the vacation with my son. Not sure why we had to go to the Bahamas for this dead drop, but I guess Gunderson wants to be ultra safe with a prize this big. I see the Germans coming from miles away. They're making too much of a scene about being tourists. And I know I'll have to tell Gunderson that his Berlin contact is getting lazy. But I get the receipt into my jeans, and the only one watching me is Harrison, because he thinks it's strange his mom is picking up trash now when every single day in New York City she walks by piles of garbage on the street and does nothing about it. Also, a few dudes are watching my ass because I've still got it, especially in these jeans. But they won't be a problem. I can recognize trouble like I can recognize each of the individual pups in Paw Patrol, and none of these dudes are it. 
I spray more lotion onto Harrison's back and throw a football at him. He doesn't catch it. Kid's not athletic. What can I say? It takes an hour to decode everything on the receipt and another hour to send each digit back to Gunderson via his preferred message of secret coded communications. Postmates orders. I'm not kidding. He has me order McDonald's to his house if it's an A, Chipotle if it's a B, Juice Press if it's a C. It's insane. I always say, what will happen when someone notices you're getting 42 meals a day to your apartment in Tribeca? And he says, rich people like what they like. Ain't no one going to notice shit. And he's so right. So I send him a smorgasbord of New York's finest fast casual, like eight things from Sweetgreen, seriously. And I'm done with work for the night. Harrison falls asleep sitting up in the motel, strawberry ice cream in his hair. He kind of snores already. His dad did, too. Until he didn't. His dad was a journalist, by the way. It would have been nice for Harrison to see that, in addition to seeing what I did. I'm not embarrassed by what I do, nor do I think it's any worse of an example than if I were an investment banker or a cop or anything. But I do wish he had something normal to see every now and then. I guess I'll want him to go to college when he's older. Not all of us can study under art thieves in Paris. Will I want him to get married? Will I want him to be a homeowner? Will I want him to have a family of his own? If he asks to join me one day to learn from me, what will I say? Will I show him how to pick his first lock? Or will I tell him no, frozen in fear by the thought of him behind bars or floating in a river? I'm not scared for myself, ever. But he's very different. I fall asleep, and when I wake up the next morning, I have strawberry ice cream in my hair, too. We shower, and the vacation is over. Back to New York to put the pieces of the puzzle together. Most of the pieces fit, and if they don't, we make them fit. We're good at that. Gunderson and Levi and the Strauss twins and Gutierrez and Little Shark and Big Shark and mostly me. But most of the pieces fit, anyway. And by the time Jenny's gotten her B-, minus, acceptable, she texts me, and is finally picking Harrison up to take him to the zoo. Best day ever, she screams at him in that cloying voice that only babysitters use. I already have two million dollars floating somewhere in the air, somewhere in Europe, somewhere in computers, from one bank account that isn't mine to one bank account that is mine. So I go to the zoo with them, and for every animal we pass, I consider how I would break it out of there if I had to. My mind doesn't stop, ever. I see a cage, I want to bend the bars. I see a lock, I want to pick it. I see a security guard, I want to determine if I need to seduce him or fight him to get a copy of his fingerprints. Harrison can tell I'm distracted because I keep just saying, oh yeah, that animal is very cute, and I think he just asked me if he could have popcorn. He hates when I get this way. It's okay, though, because I hate when he gets certain ways, too, and at least when I get this way, it's going to pay for him to go to the best schools money can buy. Jenny doesn't approve of me, even though she has no idea what I do, but she's a musical theater major, so her opinion is as relevant as that of a dying cactus. She takes him to get a snack, and I determine that the tiger would be the hardest challenge. It's tempting. I try to pitch it to Gunderson in my mind. He wouldn't go for it. What's the reward? How big is the risk? Plus, he's allergic to cats. We take the train home because it's a straight shot and I don't want to deal with a lift right now. Jenny spends the entire time texting. Harrison falls asleep in my lap. And I think about what our family will one day be. I think about what we could accomplish, big or small. I go to the Bronx for the zoo, to Brooklyn for a stakeout, to the Bahamas for a dead drop, to art museums around the world for high-profile paintings, to banks in Zurich, to bunkers in Montreal, to Vegas for fun and for business, to the movies when Pixar's got a new one, to mini-golf, maybe one day to Disney, 
I'd love for Harrison to see Mickey, and I'd love to steal something off of Tigger. Like I said, I'm good at some things and passable at others. You can catch me being a mom in the playground off 63rd on a sunny summer day. You can't catch me anywhere else, no matter what time it is. I'm like smoke. I'm like vapor. I'm like that tiger. I just sometimes have snot on my blouse or ice cream in my hair. And I've got another snorer in the family to come home to. To provide for. Sam French is a writer and director located in Brooklyn. Originally from Florida, he is a recent graduate of Carnegie Mellon University. His plays have been produced in Pittsburgh, Florida, Martha's Vineyard, and New York. His short story, A Love Letter to the Boys of Summer, won the Adamson Award for Fiction at CMU. Sam was named a Top 20 Artist Under 25 in the Tampa area by Creative Loafing Magazine and has two one-acts published by Baker's Plays. This has been a production of the Brick Moon Fiction Podcast. If you like what you hear, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts as it helps us find a bigger audience. For more information on Brick Moon and special offers, sign up for the Brick Moon Fiction newsletter at brickmoonfiction.com. Thank you for listening.